0: go to Hebrews 11 and put a marker over in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 4. I've been looking forward to this particular lesson, and uh, it's, uh, I like studying Bible characters that you don't hear about all the time. Amen, those, those ones that to us most of the time are, they're kind of those, um, uh, the insignificant ones we think sometimes, well they're mentioned, but you know, they, not a lot said about them. Well this one I think is going to be, Uh, A blessing to you. As I study this the first time, then I've gone back through again and studied them. They're a blessing. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 3. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And verse 2 is an interesting one. For by it, faith, the elders obtained a good report. We just finished the school year. What's well, it's the one thing every child wants. They want their report card if it's good. Amen? You ever notice if you got all A's, you wanted to show that to mom? I never showed mine to mom. But uh, <laughs> my sister was one of those that just, she reads something one time, remembers it forever. You know, just incredibly intelligent. And uh, she used to brag, I only got one B in high school. Like, well, I did that. We just <laughs> went opposite directions from that. Amen? And, uh, but I want a good report card at the judgment seat of Christ. I believe one of the the responsibilities of, of pastors and spiritual leaders is we're to help you have a good judgment seat. That's what we're trying to do. That's why we preach on things that we don't want to hear sometimes. It's to help us have a good judgment seat. That's why we challenge you to do something for God. So you can have a good judgment seat. Get a good report card. And here the Bible tells us the only way to get it is by faith. And as I've studied through these lessons, I just wonder how many of us, we do a lot of good things that the scriptures define that we're supposed to do, but we're not doing it by faith. we do it because it makes sense, and we're doing it because we can figure it out. But the Bible says anything that's not of faith is sin. And so these lessons are designed to help us. Uh, to live the Christian life the way it's supposed to be lived, we saw there in Romans one seventeen. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, "The just shall live by faith." And we talked about last week about Gideon, even though one that, that he looks like over and over again, he's doubting, and he did. You know, we we spent one whole lesson on that. We just saw uh, how the lessons that God taught him, and I won't go back through all of that. I'll just touch on last week where he showed us God will use us even if we're fearful. Because Gideon was. God will use us if we're prone to doubt. Gideon was. Four times Gideon had to have proof from God that God was going to do what he said. And the, the great thing about that, as I studied that over and over again, is God never chastened Gideon for that. He didn't say, why are you doubting me? He didn't, he didn't get after him after this, you know, when he requested the second fleece. He just did what he asked. Because God was more interested in using Gideon than Gideon was in being used. What a great God we serve, amen? We saw from him that, that Gideon had a tendency to rely on his flesh. He had a tendency to question God. And he, he needed often to be encouraged. Yet, with all of that, God listed Gideon in the hall of fame of faith. What a blessing, amen? Let's look at Hebrews 11 and verse number 32. What shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets. Here we see that in this verse, God is not listing just one individual. Now he's listing a bunch of them, three of the judges of Israel, a general uh, and then a king and then uh, Samuel and then the other prophets. It's interesting when you get to this one where he says, time would fail me to tell Gideon. We looked at him last week and to Barak. To to learn about Barak, we've got to go back to Judges, because this is all that's ever said about him in the New Testament, just and Barak. That's all we know. All right, so let's go to Judges 4, and we'll find out a a little bit about this story, and it's a fascinating one. We're going to read a little bit of scripture, but it's uh, it's necessary so that we can kind of get the context. All right, Judges chapter 4, and um, oh, let's see here. Where shall we start? Uh, we'll start verse number three. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for he, um, oh, we'll start verse one, I'm sorry. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. Remember, we've talked about this that the cycle in, in Judges, Israel turns away from the Lord, so God has to judge them. And then they cry out to the Lord, he sends a deliverer, they repent. And they go back to not following him, and it's the cycle. Don't read Judges if you're depressed and discouraged and having a rough week, all right? It's one of those books like, man, if I was God, zap, that's what I would do. And, and, and so, again, they had turned away from them. Verse number two, and the, and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazar, the, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Herosheth of the Gentiles. And the, the it, children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. So here's the situation. For 20 years, this king, uh, Jabin, has been, been oppressing them. He has a large army. They're very well equipped. <clears throat> and by the way, when we read these iron chariots, you and I look at that. What, was that like a tank? No. When you study that out, the iron chariots... Uh, were chariots. They were not iron, but they had on the outside pockets to hold arrows. It was in the middle of where the archers were. And so that's how they restocked the arrows. When we read about archers, you know, I, I love to shoot bows and arrows. I have my shoot in my backyard all the time, uh, but we're not like the Bible archers. Those guys had incredible range and were very accurate, and you would have sometimes twenty and 30,000 people shooting arrows at you at the same time. No, thank you, all right? And, uh, and the chariots of iron were the, the ones that were stationed in between the soldiers with all the extra arrows. And he had 900 of those. Uh, and uh, for 20 years, he, he might be oppressed the children of Israel. Get to verse 4, and Deborah, the prophetess, the wife of um, Libidov, she judged Israel at that time. Uh, so we have a female judge, Deborah. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of uh, Abinadab out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, go, and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulon, and I will draw unto, the, uh, draw unto thee to the river uh, Kishon Sisera, the captain of Jabed's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. So we see here the, the command, she, the Deborah, the judge, goes to Barak, the general of the army, he said, get your army together, you're going to go down to the river, and God said he's going to deliver uh, this army into your hand. Verse number 8, And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go, but if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding... Uh, the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine, own, for thine honor, for the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah rose and went to, uh, with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulon and Naphtali to Kadesh, and he went up with 10,000 men at his feet, and Deborah went up with him. Now Heber, the Kenite, uh, which was of the children of uh, of, Hoda, of Hobab, uh, the the. Uh, father-in-law of Moses had served, uh, had severed himself from the Kenites, and pitched his tent unto the plain of Canaan, which is by Kadesh. And they showed Sisera that Barak, the son of Benaiah, had gone to Mount Tabor. And Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even nine hundred chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him from Herosheth of the Gentiles unto the river Kishon. And Deborah said unto Barak up, For this is the day which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor and ten thousand men after him. And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his hosts with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host unto Heresheth of the Gentiles, and all the hosts of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword, and there was not a man left. Howbeit, Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, "'Turn in, my lord, turn in to me.' Fear not. And when he had turned into her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. And he said unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him. Again, he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be that when any man come and inquire of thee and say, Is there any man here? Thou shalt say no. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a nail of the tent "...and took a hammer in her hand, and went softly unto him, and smote the nail into his temples, and fastened it into the ground, for he was fast asleep." And I love this next part. So he died. (laughs) Duh! My favorite part of the chapter. "...and behold, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him, and said unto him, Come, and I will show thee the man whom thou seekest. And when he came unto her tent, behold, Sisera lay dead, and the nail was in his temple." in his temples. And so God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Let's pray. We'll get into the lesson. Father, help us as we study this morning a very unusual and a very interesting story, and one that I believe can be a great help to us in our walk of faith. Pray you'd open the scriptures to us. Help me as I teach, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When we look into the story of Barak, it's really the story of Deborah, when you look at it, uh, because in this story, there are six episodes. Deborah, she's the the judge of Israel. Um, She's a prophetess, meaning she's a speaker of wisdom, and and she was the one that was leading Israel. He said, why was there not a man leading? Because God couldn't find one. And he chose to use her. God's God, he can do what he wants. Amen? And he chose to use Deborah. And uh, she, she was the one that orchestrated all of this. She chose Barak. He got drafted into the army. He didn't volunteer. He got voluntold, amen? Uh, and, and it's interesting. Now Barak leads the army into battle. 10,000 soldiers against these 900 chariots of armies and their soldiers. We have no idea how many, but it was thousands, no doubt. In the battle, as we just read, uh, Sisera flees on foot. In the middle of the battle, it's not going well, so he jumps out of his chariot, and he just takes off to hide. And uh, we see that in chapter 4, uh, that in verse 16, that Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host. Um, and it says that when they, when they defeated them, there was not a man left. It was an utter annihilation. When you get to chapter 5, you find a little bit more about the story. They had led, verse 11 says, <clears throat> they were delivered from the noise of archers in the places of the drawing water. They had led their chariots into a marshland. Well, iron chariots with iron wheels don't do real well in soft, muddy ground. They get stuck. And, uh, and that's what happened. And that's where uh, the, 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 the enemy uh, gets destroyed. In chapter four, my favorite part of the story, Sisera gets nailed. All right. This is just a great story. She, he wants some water. He gives her milk. It didn't come out of the refrigerator. Warm milk covered with a blanket in the dark. What's happening? You're going to sleep, <laughs> amen. And she goes out and gets the nail, a nail of the tent, and just drives it through his his through the temples and pins his head to the ground. And uh, what what an awful way to die, amen. And uh, J.L. was hailed as a national heroine uh, by by the the israelite forces and and uh, if you've ever heard dr ron garris from rock of ages prison ministry he has a famous sermon head bust and runs in my family it's a great message and he talks about this story he mentions that jail, jail did not go for his feet she didn't go for his heart she went for his head amen and nailed him to the ground that's the background as you read all that the question comes where's the faith of Barak? It's all about Jael, and it's all about Deborah. What's Barak, what did he do that's faith? Well, You've got to look back at the scriptures. Uh, look again at verse 4. And Deborah, the prophetess, a prophetess, the wife of uh, Lipodeth, she judged Israel at that time. It says in verse number 6, She sent and called Barak the son of Abinadom. Notice this. Why why does it say that Barak had faith? Number one, he had faith to trust the leadership that was given to him. He was not the leader of Israel, he was not the judge. Deborah was. Um, He was not the one making decisions, he was the one carrying out the decisions. You know what that is? That's leadership. One of the greatest things we can do in faith is to follow the leadership God's given to us in our lives. When you read the scriptures, God doesn't give details of what he wants for a church to church members. He gives it to the pastor. Amen. Why? Only one person can be the leader. Amen. Amen. So he gives a pastor wisdom and understanding. <clears throat> then it's the job of those that are following that leader to follow in faith that that leader did hear from God. I love the description that uh, a deacon who was dying at First Baptist Church Hammond many years ago. He was in a hospital and Brother Howes went to see him. And this is what the man said to him. So Brother Howes, I thank you for your ministry. I thank you that you walked with God all week long. And on Sundays you told us what he said while you walked with him. That's leadership. As a parent, you're to lead your children. Yeah. They have to trust you. And By the way, if we don't teach our children to follow the leadership of parents, we cannot be surprised when they become rebels as teenagers. Right. That starts when they're little children. Um, I've Some of my children were very stubborn. I know that shocks you. Uh, because as a family, we're so easygoing and just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then grandchildren, I've always said this, and I'm seeing it lived out more and more, what one generation does in moderation, the next does in excess, oh my. And I'm just going to stop right there, because I don't want to embarrass any of my grandkids. Um, But when we as parents follow the leadership before us, we're modeling for them faith to trust leaders. It carries over to your workplace. The Bible tells us that servants are to obey their masters. So the decisions they're making doesn't make sense. Doesn't matter. Amen. It's getting real quiet. We want to go home and gripe about our boss, don't we? All right. No no employees of of faith say anything right now. Just don't even smile, all right? Just don't do it. But the truth is we're modeling for our family faith. Think about Sarah. Not my Sarah. Abraham's Sarah. He comes home one day. Start packing, honey. Why, we're moving. Where are we going? I don't know. How long is it going to take to get there? Have no idea. God just said move, so we're moving. Sarah exercised faith to believe her husband had heard from God. We see it again when when in Genesis 22, uh, where Abraham takes Isaac up on the mountain. They've got the wood, they've got the fire and Isaac says, you know, behold the wood and the fire, but where is the lamb? Abraham says, God will provide himself a lamb. Isaac had enough faith to trust his father that his father had heard from God that he got up on an altar. We've talked about that before. So sometimes God requires us to trust the leadership that God's given to us, even if what the leader is doing does not make sense. We just have to believe that the leadership God's given us is following God, and that's why it is careful. You've got to be careful choosing what church you attend, and, and those kind of things, because you've got to trust that God is leading Amen. him. In a church, as I've said, God gives a vision to the leader, and it's our responsibility to make that vision a reality. That's the Bible principle. Um, when a leader, that, when leadership that God has placed in our lives, tells us the plan. Our task is not to argue the plan, but believe God that he has spoken, and then just act in faith. That's exactly what Barak did. Deborah says, you're going to take the army, and you're going to go defeat him. Today's the day. You know what Barak says? Okay. That's faith. It's great faith. Uh, The second part, I see this. You see back there in chapter 4 again, where Deborah is the prophetess. She sends Barak with his 10,000 soldiers. He had faith to trust the leadership. Number two, he had faith to be part of a team. It wasn't just Barak. He had 10,000 soldiers that was following leadership. I think sometimes we have too many lone rangers in Christianity and in ministry. Everybody's off doing their own thing. We're part of a team. Every ministry of a church should be working with the other ministries of the church. Uh, it's interesting. First Corinthians three nine, where the Bible says, "For we are labors together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building." You realize what God just said? You get to work with me. You get to go in business with me. Yeah. You know, in that in the context of that verse, 1 Corinthians chapter three is when the church at Corinth was arguing. Some were saying, "Well, I am a Paul. I am a better Christian because Paul led me to Christ." Others said, "Well, I am a Paulus. Apparently Apollos had either been at that church or had pastored it after Paul. And some said, Well, I am of Cephas. So Peter, that me the Christ. And then you had the super spiritual ones. I am of Christ. And Paul says, Who is Paul? Who's Apollos? We were just messengers. We planted, and the Lord watered. And you look through the scriptures, you see a, you see teams all the time. Jesus had the twelve. Did you he didn't do his ministry by himself. How many times did Jesus even utilize the 12 in the miracles? All right, boys, Uh, fellas, have the people sit down in 50s and in 100s. And he divided the little boy's lunch, gave it to the disciples, and they gave it to the people. What happened? They got to participate in the miracle. Well, they do. They just followed leadership. Um, You have Barnabas with Saul. Saul would not have been a success had Barnabas not invested into his life to lead him. When they go on, on their first missionary journey, it was Barnabas and Saul. It was Barnabas who went to get Saul and bring him to Antioch, that for a year they, they were with the church and the Christ, the disciples are called Christians first at Antioch. Who was the leader? It was Barnabas. Later you have Paul and Silas and then in Acts 16. At the same time you've got Barnabas and John Mark And then Paul has Timothy and Demas and Luke and Aristarchus and Titus and all those others. Too many times we try to do it all by ourselves. Faith is thanking God for his plan, trusting the leadership, then working together with the team. Sometimes I've seen in church ministries where people get territorial over their ministry. Well, pastor's giving too much emphasis to that ministry. Well, maybe that's the one that needs emphasis right now. Well, I need those workers. You just trust the leader. Barak didn't argue for anybody else's soldiers. He took the ones that were assigned to him and did the task. Well, I need more than 10,000. No, it doesn't say that. He trusted uh, the leadership and he had faith to be part of a team. You ought to thank God he puts you with other believers who are trying to do something for God. Amen? Amen? Look in Genesis 4 and verse 8. We're moving kind of, I'm sorry, Je- Judges 4 and verse 8. Moving kind of quickly, but there's just a lot to talk about with this one, and there's some very practical things. Verse number 8 of Judges 4, and Barak said unto her, so he's talking back to Deborah, if thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou will not go with me, then I will not go. So he, he said, I'm going to follow you as the leader. Verse number 9, and she said, I will surely go with thee. Notice this, notwithstanding, the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine, own, uh, for thine honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Now think about this. He's sent out to do the task. You've got the army. Go get Sisera, the, the, the general. And then, th- then we're going to go after the king, Jabin. He says, okay, I'll do that. You go with me, I'll go. He said, okay, that's fine. You're going to do that. But you're not going to get the credit for it. What it says in verse 9: The journey that thou takest shall be shall not be for thine honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Not only was he not going to get credit for winning the battle, God was going to say, A woman did that. Now you've got to understand the culture. That was unheard of. Not only was their their there Deborah, the prophetess, leading, now he said, when, when this battle is won. Barak, it's not going to be because of you and you're not going to kill the general you're chasing. I'm going to let a woman do that. And we know what happens. Sister gets nailed. He just gets pinned to the floor. Why? JL, All right. He knew even in victory, he would be despised and derided. Oh, you couldn't even get one soldier. You couldn't kill one general. A woman had to do that for you. Can you imagine that the army, the soldier reunion? Can you picture that? Yet he was obedient. I said, okay. What's that? Faith to serve when you don't get the credit. So many times we only serve if we get noticed by somebody, if we get mentioned by pastor from the pulpit. Uh, The Bible says in in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus said, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your, of your Father, which is in heaven. You see, motives do matter. Why do you do what you do for God? Is it so you get notoriety, so somebody notices you? Uh, my good friend Eric Thart put out a tweet this week that it bothered a bunch of people. Uh, he, just, he put out a tweet about, and I'm going to misquote it, something about, uh, that he's noticed a trend of too many guys on Twitter that are bragging about all the stuff they're doing in ministry instead of what God's doing. Man, did that touch off a story. He called me. He said, well, I just got a phone call about my tweet, about giving God glory and not taking it for ourselves. He said, it bothers me that preachers would be that immature. So, said, brother, it tells you what they're working for. Matthew 6, 5, Jesus said, when thou prayest... Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have that reward. If you do what you do for God so that people will notice you and pat you on the back, enjoy the pat on the back because there won't be one at the judgment seat. There will be no rewards for that. Motives do matter. Jesus said in Matthew 23 and verse five, but all their works they do for to be, for to be seen of men They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. He's talking about the Pharisees. Matthew 20 through 11, he says, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Lessons of faith from Barak. He had had faith to trust the leadership. He had faith to be part of a team. But he had faith to serve when you don't get the credit. When we get to the judgment seat of Christ, I think we're going to be shocked at the people who get the great rewards. It's not going to be the most famous Christian workers. I promise you it won't be. I mean, Jesus, think about this. Jesus said about the centurion when he said, just speak the word only to heal his servant's son. He said, you don't need to come to my house. I understand authority. Just say it. It'll happen. And Jesus said, I have not found so great faith in all Israel. Well, what an indictment to the disciples standing right there. He said, you guys, you can't even come close to this guy. He just said, Lord, speak. But he was trusting the word of God. How many times do we do something just so that we can get the credit and be noticed by somebody else? Lessons of faith from Barak. Notice the last one. I think this is the last one, yes. Look at Judges 4 and verse number 15. And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his host with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down from off his chariot and fled away on his feet. Notice verse 16. But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host. And the horse of the Gentiles and all the the host of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword, and there was not a man left. Howbeit Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and to the house of Heber, the Kenite. It would have been real easy for Barak, when he sees Sisera running, to leave the battle and chase him but he did not do that. Verse 16 says he pursued after the chariots. You see, that was the task. Sisera was not the target. Sisera was not the priority. Yes, he was the king or the the general, but Jabin, the king of Canaan, was the target. Here's the lesson of faith. Barak had the faith to stay on task. It could have brought him glory to go after the king, Sisera. But he said, No, my task is to defeat the army. That's just one man. Here's the army. I'm going to keep my eyes on the iron chariots and those soldiers because that's what I was sent to do. You see, Sisera wasn't the leader, that was the king. You see, you eliminate Sisera, they get another king. You eliminate the army and the king, you've won the battle. You say, what's that got to do with us? Well, how many times does Satan get us to turn our focus from the main task in the life of a church and in our Christian lives to turn and do something that in and of itself is not wrong? It's not sinful. It might even be very important. But it's not the thing. It's not the main thing. I've watched it as as pastors get enamored with one particular thing or another. I've watched guys get so enamored with politics that they're never at their church. They're all at some political thing. I'm not saying it's wrong to be involved in politics. Every believer ought to be. Um, churches that they make their whole ministry picketing abortion clinics. Now, I believe abortions murder. People that perform abortions are murderers. Those who pay for them are accessories to murder. I believe that. There's not one verse in this Bible that tells me to pick in an abortion clinic. But I can show you many verses that tell me I'm supposed to go door-to-door, house-to-house with the gospel. It's not wrong to be against abortion. We ought to be. Amen. The problem is though, Satan is an expert at getting us off the main thing. I've seen missionaries that turn their focus from church planting and winning souls and discipling converts to being a humanitarian place. Providing health care. It's not wrong to provide health care. It's not wrong to make the lives of the people you're ministering to better, but you're not there to make their life better. You're there to make their eternity better. So easy to get sidetracked. We must remember what God's called us to. Why is this church here? Number one, evangelism. Amen. Soul winning, missions, church planting. That ought to be the focus of everything we do. Discipleship. Why do we have Sunday school? To teach people the Bible. And how to take the Bible that they've learned and live it. Uh, Personal one-on-one discipleship. uh, Equipping the saints. That's what Ephesians 4 is all about. We come here to learn how to do the work of God. Then we go out there and do it. Uh, We come to church to learn how to do the work of the ministry. We come here to learn how to grow in grace so that God can use us. Stay on the task that God's given you. Barak, in his faith, saw Sisera said, no, I'm not chasing him because the army is what I'm supposed to defeat. And God had already told him, you're personally not going to get Sisera. I've seen a lot of believers do, and I've seen preachers do this in their ministry. There's one particular thing they want to do in ministry. They're passionate about it, but it's not what God gave them to do. And I've seen guys lead the will of God to chase something that's good and is a passion, but it's not what God made them to do. I wish I had time to go into more detail on that, but that's what Barak did. He stayed with, with what he was supposed to do. You may not get the recognition you deserve, but it's not recognition day. That's the judgment seat of Christ, amen? One of the things I've learned from these studies, and this one in particular, we don't know what we think we know about the Bible. We have familiar stories, and we know them pretty well. But how many times have you in your Christian life read Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 32, it says, what shall I more say for time will fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. Brother Duke, I doubt any of us have memorized that verse. Sarah has. She taught third grade for how many years? Six years, and every year she taught her Christian school class to memorize Hebrews 11. Of course, Sarah knows that chapter. But most of us have never thought about this stuff in detail. You know why? We're casual readers of the Bible. We're not doing what we're commanded to do, to study. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. Before I read the rest of the verse, you understand if you're not studying the Bible, you're not approved of God? Just think on that one a bit. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The more I study my Bible... The last sum of my theology is accurate. I find it, okay, that wasn't what I thought. Amen? How many times we just trust what somebody else says? It's interesting. Look again at Judges 4, verse 9. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kiddush. Then you go back to our text verse, Hebrews 11 and verse number 32. What shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson of Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets. Barak did get honor, but it came much later. It came in Hebrews 11. Uh, the song was written about Deborah. That's Judges chapter 5. But scripture was written about Barak. Just think about that one. The people clamored for Deborah. God said, yep, I saw the story. Barak, I'm writing your name down in the Hall of Fame. If you and I were there, we would have chosen Deborah. As man, that's the special one in the story. God said, no, no, it's Barak. Why? Because he had faith to trust leadership. He had faith to be part of a team. He had faith to serve when he didn't get the credit. And he had the faith to stay on task. Let's be like a barrack. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the scriptures. I pray you take these truths and challenge us this week. And may we be the kind of believer that makes a difference for eternity. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.